We're very happy to be helping our friends at First Racing promote their Preakness Future Wager. It's happening right now. If you go to your ADW and look for it, you will find it. The bet closes on Saturday night at 8. Keep in mind, that means that the Nisos race, which has now been moved to Sunday, will not be included as such. Doesn't matter. I think there's still some interesting opportunities in this wager. We want you to get involved, and we're going to have a whole YouTube video about it. You can check that out on our YouTube channel. It might not have dropped if you're listening to this right when it comes out, but uh, if you listen up a little bit later tonight, you'll surely be able to find it. Please get involved and support the Preakness Future Wager from our friends at first. Hello and welcome to the In the Money Players podcast. This is our show for Friday, March 1st. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker. Once again, joined by uh, two men I always like to talk to when it comes to the big racing Saturdays in New York. We start off with the man who is uh, my business partner in In the Money Media. You know him from the work he does over at uh, Fox Sports on America's Day at the Races. He is Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, JK? What's going on, PTF? It's, uh, it's, it's upon us, right? That it feels like the first start of spring is that day in March when you have the Fountain of Youth. Uh, you have the San Felipe, which is not that day because it's on Sunday now. And the Gotham. And this is uh, it's, it's exciting time for uh, us horse racing fans. I might have already done this in an ad at the beginning of the show, but I want to underline it just for folks wondering about the change in schedule. The ultimate betting challenge at Gulfstream Park still going ahead on Saturday, but they've added a Santa Anita Big Cap Day contest on Sunday, two different one-day events. But if you're interested in playing, make sure you get involved. Expressbet.com slash contest, the best place to go for that info. But we're covering Santa Anita elsewhere. Actually, if you're listening to this right away, we've got a Santa Anita live stream scheduled for 8 o'clock Eastern tonight with Jeff Chappie Chapman and Duke Matisse, professional horse player. That'll be worth checking out separately. But we're here to talk about New York racing. And when I think about New York racing and talk about New York racing, there's nobody I want to bring in, no offense, JK, than the guy I'm about to introduce. That is legendary horse player and author and uh, uh, stakes-winning owner, Stephen Chris. Steve, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing good, Pete. Let's dive right into these races. We're going to look at the pick six on this day. It sounds, we'll do a quick little weather report first. It sounds like we may have some weather in the game, Steve. Is that your understanding? What, what are we looking at in terms of weather for this Gotham Day card? Uh, the uh, the weather forecast I am looking at has the rain beginning at about 9 a.m. and not letting up all day. So plan for slop. At least we don't have to worry about uh, losing races from the turf at this time of year. Sure. But, you know, going to have to be vigilant. I mean, I, I guess one of the biggest things when you're looking at weather like that, you know, as horse players, we always want to be taking a look at, at, at track bias and trying to see if what's going on on the racetrack is affecting the way the races are being run. You know, we'll have several races. We'll have four races before the pick six starts to do some guesswork as far as that goes. Do you make any assumptions, Steve, when you're looking at a forecast like this about how the track is going to be playing or is it wait and see? It, it really is wait and see. Uh, you know, it, it depends whether the track is is sealed or harrowed. Uh, you know, you, you could end up with a, a sloppy speed track. You could end up with a, a tiring, muddy track. Uh, you, you just don't know until they start running races. 
you know, also the, the aqueduct track has been so weird all winter. Uh, I mean, these are, are the slowest times that I've seen on a consistent basis in New York uh, in forever. Interesting. And has it been hard? I know you make your own figures sometimes in addition to relying on the on the public ones. Has that made speed figure making a challenge? Has it changed the way you rely on speed figures in your handicapping at all? Yeah, it's it's really been tough. Uh, and there there are days when I don't care which figure maker it is, where everybody is just making their their best guess when consecutive races can't possibly fit together. So you end up making projections, which is a fancy word for guesses. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, looking through that sequence tomorrow, uh, I mean, there, there are races and in, in, especially in the Gotham where almost everybody's races recently are on wet tracks. Uh, so it's, it's a very challenging sequence and, and the weather doesn't make it any easier. Well, let's dive in. We're going to do our best. Even if we end up taking less of a swing at a bet like the pick six, we can obviously bet these races individually. Hopefully we can find some value along the way. It kicks off with some bread and butter stuff. $16,000 claimers, 301, the scheduled post time for the fifth race. We've got uh, we've got 10 runners, including an entry, a favored entry going postward. Actually, the entry is on the morning line anyway, two to one to first glimpses, uh, nine to five. JK, we'll bring you back in to kick this one off. How do you want to light this candle? Well, uh, look, I, I think the meat of this, meaning the middle of this sequence is pretty tough. And because it's so tough, that means I have to use a lot of horses. I have a single on the on the in the Gotham. One of my favorite things to do in the pick six, especially in a sequence like that, is these tickets, as you know, can get pretty expensive, especially at the dollar minimum, which I'm not complaining about. I appreciate. In fact, if you want to make it a two dollar minimum, I'm here for that as well. I like the single on the first leg because if I'm wrong in the first leg, I can then come back and play the pick five. Um, and, 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 and spreading in the first leg in a sequence in which you're going to use a lot of horses can get very, very expensive. I'm going to just single right here, ice cold, single A, two to seven, first glimpse, who has some dirt races that make sense. The last race on dirt makes sense. And the, the three previous makes sense. And now you're switching to Rick Dutrow uh, throughout his career. He's had 1,600, excuse me, he's had 330 horses make their first start with him. Um, 330 wins, excuse me, 26% when horses make their first start with him. So you can look for a horse like that to improve. I'm going to just single the seven first glimpse. And if that doesn't go well, my quote unquote B horse will be the pick five. <laughs> I get it. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who have the opposite inclination. They want to, you know, it's not a good instinct, but people have the instinct to want to stay alive, maybe intend to overspread early in a sequence like that. So, so I get that. My question for you about first glimpse, who I totally get and does seem like the race will be run to suit. Are you a little bit nervous or at all nervous about the fact that the, the Dutro reunion tour has seemed to uh, slow down a little bit of late, not winning at the, at the same clip as he was? Does that little bit of coldness in the barn trouble you whatsoever, JK? No, I mean, for the current meet, he's 19%. In 2024, uh, this this year, he's 14%. You know, I mean, look, it, it comes in waves, right? I mean, I'm sure there's times uh, at certain glimpses where, where Brad Cox, Chad Brown, and Todd Pletcher have their little, you know, 19% runs or 14% runs. I, I'm not going to allow that to throw me off too much. I'm going to look at the individuals. 
I think that makes sense. Steve, let's bring you in for your thoughts on how you might want to start a pick six on this Gotham Saturday. Uh, You know, I'm very unlikely to to get very involved in this pick six because I think the first leg is very, very tough. I think the Gotham is tough. Uh, And the Stymie and Tom Fuller are no walks in the park either. Uh, If, you know, if I went three deep in this race, in addition to first glimpse, I would have to use the Jacobson entry. I would have to use first-time Linda Rice on Durkin's call. Uh, This is a massive trainer change from Rachel Sells to Linda Rice. Linda has been deadly first time off the claim, uh, so I I can't leave that one off the ticket. And, you know, if if I had the luxury of of adding another horse, uh, I would use the nine full moon fever making uh, his second start off a six-month layoff with tons of back races that are plenty good enough to drown a field of 16 claimers. I get your case on Durkin's call. That was the one I thought was the interesting horse off off the exact same angle. And uh, Full Moon Fever, definitely interesting. Not just a Tom Petty hunch play, Steve, it sounds like. Uh, no, I uh, this horse at one time had a great deal of talent, uh, and he hasn't run this, uh, this, this cheaply much in his life. Definitely not the easiest leg, but, you know, from a gambling theory point of view, I, I still think JK might be on to something with, if you are going to try to get in this uh, pick six, you've got to try to find a place to take a stand. If you do it right away and you're wrong, you can come right back. Race number six is an allowance race going seven furlongs on the dirt. We've got a big full field signed on for this one. Steve, any more clarity when it comes to this one? Yeah, this this was one of the few races where I was, you know, willing to to really to narrow uh and i i could live with going too deep in this race uh to to me uh factually correct and radio red kind of tower over the field if they bring their a races uh they finished close together two starts back radio red came back and even improved his figure he's just in raging form uh to, to me these two horses are really the ones who you know, can run to par and better than par in a race like this. So I can live with just going five, nine in here. Steve looking to lock it up with the logical five and nine. JK, I know that's something you love it when you can do. Is that how you'll approach the first race of this pick? Well, well, Steve said it more eloquently than I will is that, you know, with the figures being as tricky as they've been to make, I, I think a lot of times you have to kind of expect a horse could run five to 10 points faster or five to 10 points slower. And I think if you do that in the series of these races, it leaves you in a very wide open area of who can then beat you, which is also a great opportunity, right? I think in in this day and age, so many people have so much access to speed figures. A lot of times these races can be very formful. The horse that deserves to be the third choice is the third choice. There's no meat on that bone. Um, I'm going to spread here. I'm going to use four, five, six, nine and ten the four of vespucci who hasn't run since june could jump up and improve off of that figure from three to four just on the the normal uh you know way we like to look at at, at maturity and or, or figures for age and, and change like that uh, the five factually factually correct i'll use uh the six got thunder who i thought ran extremely well last time at a big price um broke a little bit slow but still found themselves a little bit forward Um, I always respect a horse that can kind of find the front and hold on after breaking slow. The nine radio red, one of those situations, that fast number, do you trust it? Because it kind of stands out a little bit. Could it be a little bit slower? And then a pet of mine, the 10 shipsational, 
which is also extremely hard to say if you use the <laughs> S word a lot like I do in my personal life. Um, this source always wanted to be better than he is. Uh, there's been some geldings in the near future. I'm still going to hold on hope. I just, I, 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 I just, I won't be able to handle if this horse ever wins at, at a big price because I've wasted so much money on ship, say, ship, ship, say, ship, no. So, uh, four, five, I'm six, nine. I'm definitely not seven, editing that. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> How would you grade those five runners into A's and B's, JK, or is it just a big shamazzle, no top pick situation for you? Yeah, I'm completely unsure what a shamazzle is, but yes, it's one of those. <laughs> uh, probably the six got thunder. I think is really interesting. Like I said, broke a little bit slow, found themselves on the front end. I think a lot of energy gets lost in those moves. Um, so I'll go with the six. Scott Thunder is kind of the top choice. But I'm going to spread in here, hope for a price. And not really an A's and B's situation. Just just like you said, hope for a price. Uh, I like the idea of playing this race for the pace to come back. And that puts two horses uh, ahead to me. Radio Red, who we've talked about. And then your buddy, uh, Ship Sational, second time as a gelding. And I thought was a little bit against the flow maybe last time in that allowance race. Could be seen to better effect here at what might be double-digit odds. So I was going to mess around mostly with the 9 and the 10. Next up, stakes action. Race number seven. This race is the Busher Stakes. Three-year-old fillies going a mile. Potential uh, Kentucky Oaks clues. Should something uh, interesting happen? Should this race come back and and uh, and be a fast one? And we've got a horse uh, who has some maybe Oaks credentials, you could say, already in the form of number six, Jody's Pride, who was second in the Breeders' Cup. Juvenile Phillies making her return to the races. Surely this is going to be your big favorite, and uh, this is a horse that uh, ran a good figure right behind, just FYI, back in November. Steve, are you with Jody's Pride or against her? Well, I'm with her in that she's uh, one of only two that I'm going to use in this race. Uh, to me, Jody's Pride is just faster, better, and classier uh than her opponents today the other horse i'm going to use is jinjin because jinjin is the only closer in a field where everybody is going to be on or near the lead um so this race like the last one because i want to spread elsewhere i'm only going too deep with the two and the six i'll just jump in because i had it the same way i want to make Jinjin the top pick. We talk so much about loan speed. What about the loan closer? Jinjin certainly looks like one, but I don't fully want to buck Jody's pride either and want to at least have that one name checked on the A-line. 6-2 for Steve, 2-6 for me. JK, can we make this a chorus? Yeah, pretty close. I'm going to use the six as a single A, Jody's pride, for, for one main reason. Jorge Abreu, in my opinion, is one of the best, and, and he learned it from a pretty good one as well. Uh, trainers with a fresh horse. And I mean that his first time starter stats are good. They're not outrageous. I'm I'm sorry. His uh, first layoff stats aren't good. They're, they're not outrageous. They're good stats, but his ability with first time starters, which is the longest layoff that a horse can be on. It kind of proves that he knows how to get a horse ready off of a break. And Jody's pride who ran extremely well in the breeders cup comes in here fresh. And I trust that Jorge is going to have this horse ready to kind of run her a race. And if she runs her a race, it feels like the rest of them are running for second, but they are three-year-olds. They can change. They can improve. I'll use the one regulatory risk and the two gin gin as B horses, but I'm going to use uh, the six Jody's pride as a single a, because I think she'll be ready to run off the break. 
I get it. And she also should be able to stalk and pounce as she's done effectively before if they want to go hammer and tongs. I was just uh, hoping maybe with the idea of getting Jin Jin in there that if she joins the party too early, we could get something maybe a little more than meets the eye in the busher. More stakes action in the form of the stymie and a field of eight going forward. JK, we'll keep it with you. It's another spready situation for me here. I'm, I'm going to use quite a few in this spot. Uh, I'm going to use uh, the one kinetic sky, the four coastal mission, the six uh, castle chaos and the eight uh, petulant. Is that, is that right? Did I get that right, Pete? I mean, I think th- th- they stuck the E on the end, so maybe they want you to say uh, petulante, but depend- I- I- I'd accept petulant for that one. Steve, how about you? You're more. Uh, it is a spread for me, too. Uh, I would use, uh, might, might be the same horses, the one, three, four, six, and eight in here. I really couldn't pick them apart uh, and, uh, you know, hope, hope for a pricey result. Uh, Castle Chaos, I needed last time at 27 to 1. You know, how, how much do I want him at 2 to 1 this time? I know if it honestly, if it wasn't for the price castle chaos was last time, I think I'd be more confident in selecting that one. Cause I think this race is going to be run absolutely perfect, but I'm very similar to you guys wanting to mess around with the, with the six and the four, um, maybe even a little bit of the one horses. They're, they're going to be there to get first run. Doesn't sound like anybody has a super strong opinion as far as the stymie goes, as we get into some graded stakes in the form of the grade three, Tom fool, the six furlong sprint where we've got uh Rotney installed as the nine to five morning line favorite Steve. Well, will your money be going here? Well, I, you know, I think that you've got two super fast early horses, uh, in here. And, you know, the question is, does one of them shake loose or, or do they run each other into the ground? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about Rotney uh, and the bottom horse Durante. I mean, they're, they're both super fast early. You can draw a line through Durante's last race. I, I mean, it was Oakland, it was slop, it was a mile. Uh, none of those things are good for him. Previous to that, he, he was tearing it up uh, over the track here. So, you know, I think they're the two to beat. Uh, but, you know, if if they go at each other and run each other into the ground, you don't have a, a real closer in this race. Uh, but obviously, you got to look at, at horses like Manny Wah uh, and even listen to your heart uh, as possible stalkers who, who might inherit late. All right. J- JK, how about you? How are you seeing this one shake out on the track? Yeah, another spready one. Super Chow, who you know, like at Speed Horses, it's 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 or some of my favorite uh, uh, living beings in this earth. Uh, uh, you know, it's like my wife, my son, my son, my wife. They're interchangeable, one and one A. And then Speed Horses are probably probably three. And then I, I like you, Pete. You're in the top ten somewhere. Um, look, you know, but I, I, I think Super Chow. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Wait, was, the closers don't even make the top one hundred. Except for Zenyatta. She's the only one that's even got close. Um, the three super child, I don't necessarily trust, but that speed is something that you, you do, you know, you do have to be aware of the five Rotney, uh, another forward type. I thought 24 Mamba was interesting. The six horse, I'll use that one as well. And then the eight uh, Durante, another one who the last three or four haven't been great. Um, but if this horse can kind of find some of those back races, I like the outside draw, the tactical speed, Manny Franco. I'll, I'll use those four in here. I, I missed one. I wrote down five, six, eight. 
Oh, three, the super trial as well. The three, right, three, right, five, right. six, eight. Yeah. Uh, what about in terms of a top pick or, or more of a just spread around? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times in these, in these kind of middle races where we're spreading quite a bit, uh, you know, when, when feet to the fire as a, for a pick, I'll always just kind of defer to who's the biggest price horse. Otherwise I'm playing it incorrectly, right? If I'm, if I'm going to use all four of these horses and I pick the favorite, that's wrong. Um, so it, for me, I'm going to use these four horses equally. Uh, I got to give the, whoever the longest shot on the board is, which I'm assuming will be the six twenty four Mamba. Yeah, that's a horse I was going to mention that I thought I was being uh, I thought I was being clever. I feel like looking at pace figures, 24 Mamba might end up in an enviable spot and off this slight turn back in distance, maybe um, has that stamina to be sort of the the de facto best closer, even though you don't really get closer from the running lines. That that was my thoughts on that one. And, you know, five and eight obvious uh, ones to to use as as hookups with 24 Mamba, who should be a decent price in the Tom Fool. Let's get to our nightcap, the Gotham Stakes, the race that gives the day its name. Big full field here. I, I wasn't expecting... Um, quite quite so much competition when we talked about this race minutes after it was drawn jk we talked about it uh very much as a almost a match between the 10 just a touch and the three deterministic interesting to see the morning line brings a lot of other horses into it i've heard a lot of wise guy support for a runner like number 12 slider as you've had a few days to look at this race jonathan how has your opinion evolved yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it's still those two for me. I'm going to use one of them as an A horse and one of them as a B. I, I'll use just a touch as an A, um, who got an 89 buyer, but got a pretty fast time from US. It just feels like a horse that's going to improve, a $300,000 Justify. We've seen what Justify has done to this point. I like the draw for this horse. You get Brad Cox, who I don't necessarily have a problem with uh, in terms of stretching horses out. You, you know, it's it's uh, I'm, I'm going to just kind of single that this just a touch might be uh, a, a really darn good horse. And then the three deterministic, I think anytime a horse can run like an 81 buyer in July in Saratoga, you'd like to think that they're going to continue to take steps forward. It's a $625,000 horse. So physically and from a pedigree standpoint, I don't think you're too concerned about uh, this one's ability to kind of get more ground. I think this one's interesting. I think Christoph will have this horse cranked and ready to roll, considering the fact that they're kind of behind the eight ball at this point with a horse that I'm sure when they crossed the wire uh, in that fifth race at Saratoga on August 12th, they, they started to kind of dream Kentucky Derby a little bit. Well, now they got a chance, but they got to start getting busy here. So I'd like to think the Terministic will be ready to run off of this long break, and I'll use the three as a single uh, B horse. That's the horse I like, so I'll just chime in quickly. You basically made the case. It wasn't It wasn't just that the race was fast. The manner in which he won on debut just suggested that there was a lot more in the locker, as does the purchase price. Clearly not the plan to be put away for 200-odd uh, days from that win to the Gotham, but Clement, excellent at bringing them back from layoffs and him training for this particular ownership group. I, I think you're right. I, I think the the... the this isn't one that I expect to come back at, you know, 60% and be a short horse. Obviously, I think he'll come on from this run, but I think he'll be ready enough to, to run his A race. And if he does, I, I think that might be good enough to win. Plenty of pace here. Race should be run to suit. I like deterministic. And I, I mentioned I'd heard a lot of a lot of sharp people making the case for slider. I think it's a little bit interesting bringing in some of that West Coast form. This is a horse that I think could get a good I would imagine stalking trip. Don't think he's going to be faster than just a touch early, but one that I wanted on my tickets along with 
just a touch who, you know, just makes all the sense in the world off that debut win and given the hands that he's in. Value may be a question mark, but uh, certainly his contention runs deep. Steve, are we centering around the right horses or can you uh, bring in something uh, a, a little more creative and interesting for us in the Gotham? I don't know about creative, but uh, to me, this is a very difficult race and uh, I don't trust anyone in here. And I'm going to use, uh, you know, a- as many of the realistic contenders as possible in here. Uh, I don't have a lot of cross outs in this race. Uh, if you gave me five horses, I'd go three, eight, 10, 11, 13. Uh, slider, I, I just can't see getting the mile. Uh, and in a race like this, where you've got so much pace, uh, and so many horses who are going to go, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit against him, but you know, the way that, that people get horses to the triple crown these days with so few starts, you know, I mean, we're talking about a lot of horses with one or two career starts in this race. Uh, we don't know how good they are. We don't know how they're going to run in a, a 12 or 13 horse field. Uh, so to me, uh, I, I'd, I'd hate to hang my hat on just one or two horses in here. I hear you. And, I, you know, looking at the paper, I would agree with you about Slider. One of the interesting things I heard, and I don't know if this, this sways you at all, but it really surprised me. I don't have the specific stat in front of me, but it, there was a stat about Jimmy Creed's as a sire specifically going long the first time, going a mile or farther first time. And it was a ginormous, you know, it was a 20 odd percent plus win percentage, but a, but a flat, if it wasn't a flat bet profit, it was, it was in like three or four points of breaking even. And it just made me think, you know, I, combined with the fact that I think the horse has some quality and some interesting form coming in from the West coast, that pedigree angle tilted me in, in this direction. But, but I hear what you're saying. I mean, this horse hasn't exactly finished up going short. How's he going to finish up going long? I'm hoping the price will be there and it'll be worth an include as far as the five that you mentioned, Steve, how would you think about grading them in terms of A's and B's, or is it more of a cast a, a wide net situation? Uh, look, if I could only have two A's, uh, they would be the the three and the ten, uh, or three eight ten. Um, you know, you you guys don't talk much about Bergen. I, I don't see anything not to like about this horse, and and I think the race should set up well for him. Uh, he's he's one of the very few you know finishers in this field. It's true. I mean, he was close to the pace last time, but I think that was more a case of. Uh, more a case of just being a, a slow pace in the race that he was able to dominate. And he did, uh, he did end up finishing with, with the, with, with a pretty solid late pace figure. What do you make of, of Bergen JK, the other Brad Cox runner? That was one that you did mention in, in quickly in the video we did the other day. Yeah, no, I got no problem with the horse. I mean, he could absolutely win. Um, he, he's, he's had a nice run at, at uh, going a little bit longer. So you can trust that he ran well in the Jimmy Winkfield. So, uh, I've got no problem with it. I just, you know, I've, I've got a little bit of a crush on, on just a touch for Qatar racing. I, I do think that that's a very talented horse. He ran an extremely fast number last time. So I'm looking for him to take another step forward and I just can't get away from the potential, uh, figure improvement for age that you can expect for deterministic. If he kind of runs that 10 to 12, 12 to 15 fast buyer speed figure points, suddenly that horse is in the 95s. What's wrong with that? Is your issue with deterministic, Steve, just the question of where he's been? Yeah, and it, this is just asking so much, you know, to come off this long of a layoff and stretch to the mile, you know, against stakes horses. 
you know, I, I just don't see much value there. Um, yeah. You know, if, if he's seven to two, four to one, I mean, does he really feel like he, he has that, you know, that that's any kind of value? Uh, again, I, I'm going to use him, but I think they're asking a lot. I, I thought I read where Clement said that, you know, he'd been looking for an allowance race for the horse before this and, and couldn't find one. Uh, so th- th- this is ambitious. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't picked up on that. I'm going to dig and see what we can find on that. May include, uh, may end up going a little bit deeper than I than I originally intended in the spot. And I do think you mentioning the other Clement Steve Capital Idea. That that's a runner who's extremely proven in the slop and and another horse that uh, that, that looks to have at least some finishing ability. One that one that and and from that difficult post the 13 could get lost. But I think that's one of the ones where. At the one-turn mile configuration, I don't hate it. Could get lost in the betting. Definitely an interesting horse for people to consider in this spot. We'll see how it plays out on Saturday around 5.36. For international listeners, I'll be on Sky Sports Racing covering this and all the stuff from Gulfstream as well. Steve, fantastic having you back. We will reach out to you again uh, sooner rather than later, presumably for for Wood Day if you're around, and uh, wish you uh, Godspeed in all of your endeavors until then. Appreciate it, and I'll uh, I'll plan on Wood Day. That sounds good, J.K. You and I will be back with coverage. We'll we'll talk about we'll have a production meeting in the middle of the show Sunday. Shall we record a little recap uh, video on Sunday and throw it up on YouTube? I love it. Let's do it. All right, great stuff, guys, and uh, we'll be back with a little bit more of this show right after this. This week's Lanes and Legacy of the Week is the eleven million dollar man, Senor Buscador. This son of mine shaft made his 18th career start his best, winning the $20 million Saudi Cup. Senor Buscador was knocking on the door when running second in the Pegasus World Cup to Quality Road Sire National Treasure, but it was the son of mine shaft's turn in the desert. This year's Saudi Cup was one of the toughest international dirt fields I have ever seen. Senor Buscador and Junior Alvarado bided their time at the back of the field and made a relentless run to take down the richest horse race in the world. Horse of the Year Mineshaft is the sire of two champions, multiple grade one winners, and 23 graded stakes winners. Mineshaft has seen lifetime two-year-old sales of up to $1.75 million and boasts three seven-digit yearlings. Senor Buscador has gotten really good at the right time. He'll lead them towards the turn. Has the advantage narrowly from National Treasure in second. Isolate pushed up the fence with White Barrio getting a nice track in. Carmel Road is very wide. Also there is Crown Pride as they begin to make the turn. A defunded has made some ground. Harry Numbers is going backwards. Hoist the Gold has quite a lot to do from there. One that is making ground is Lemon Pop up the inside. So out in the lead, the grey Saudi crown will lead the turn for home. In second place, pushed along National Treasure, a length down. Derma Sotagake in the light blue is on the outside now of the pushed along isolate. Carmel Road comes next. Several are flat here with defunded. Ushbatasoro is making quite a lot of ground, but it's Saudi Crown who has the advantage from National Treasure. Ushbatasoro from a mile back continues to stay on. Also staying on strongly is Senor Buscador out in front. Saudi Crown with 150 metres to last. Still has the lead. National Treasure Ushbatasoro late on the scene and right down the outside. Senor Buscador, the lead is taken by Ushbatasoro, but right on the line, Senor Buscador might have tipped him out. Certainly the rider thinks so, Senor Buscador and Ushbatasoro over the top of Saudi Crown and National Treasure. And those were clear from Derma Sotagake. Crown Pride was next. 
Ushbatasura may have leapt for a stride, but it's Senor Buscador's Saudi Cup for Todd Fincher and Juan Asgarado. And what a, the ride has just been put up. Junior Alvarado has got there. Ushbatasura briefly had the prize in his grasp, but it looks as if in those final bounds, it has gone the way of Senor Buscador, the rider celebrating. And that is the call by a head. Senor Buscador has won the Saudi Cup. Before you go, we have a few honorable mentions this week. Yellow Brick by Quality Road with a 98 buyer out in California. And Donegal Surges by Candy Ride with an 89 buyer in New York. Legacy worthy performance. Today is the day for Yellow Brick. Yellow Brick came back strong and scores by two and a half. And Donegal Surges now expands. Loading up on the outside. Donegal Surges has taken the lead, has sprinted a quick two and a half lengths clear. Inside the final 16th, it is going to be Donegal Surges. Donegal Surges, Kendra Carmouche, they get the win. Rolling in dough, comes back to reclaim second. Thanks for that, JK. Great story with Senor Buscador getting the job done over there in Saudi over the weekend. Funny to see some cowboy hats in the winner's circle. What else do I want to tell you about? Mostly I want to highlight a lot of the other content we have going. We did separate shows for Santa Anita and Gulfstream. You can find the Gulfstream one in the feed. Again, we're doing the Santa one as a live stream tonight. Also wanted to highlight for you all the return, the season premiere, we'll call it, of the Harness Players podcast featuring Frazier Downs. Frazier, a great get-out track I want folks to be paying attention to on Thursdays and Fridays. Has a late post time, 10 p.m. Eastern, and the lowest takeout rates in all of harness racing. You can find free picks and analysis over at nahupicks.com. I also want you to be on the lookout to sign up for the new free harness newsletter. There's going to be a lot of newsletter-only content as far as that goes. The best place to do it that I know of, if you go into our newsletter, the, the main uh, In The Money newsletter that you sign up for at inthemoneypodcast.com slash email, there'll be an opportunity to sign up for the Harness newsletter in there. Please do that to get all the best and latest information as far as that goes. And that's about it. A little bit shorter on the late week show because we have so many other shows cooking and uh, more to come. Do us a favor, subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. That's another way you can help us. That doesn't cost you anything that really helps us. I have this crazy goal of trying to get up to 10,000 YouTube subscribers at some stage this year. A parent tells me you get something called, um, what did she call it? A play button they'll send you if you get up to 10,000. It sounds cool and it will impress my daughter. So go to YouTube and find the In The Money Media YouTube channel. Subscribe to us over there. Get involved in the comments as well. We're looking to feature listener comments on future broadcasts. So, uh, for example, for the one we have up there right now, the video about the Gotham and the Fountain of Youth, if you give us the winners of those two races, uh, we'll we'll pick one of the people who does that and feature them on the recap show that we're going to do on Sunday. Anyway, lots of YouTube-only content, so you're going to want to be paying attention to that over there as well. When it's appropriate, I'll slug in the audio on the audio shows, but a lot of times that stuff just makes more sense to leave as video. We've got a lot of new people listening because of what's going on on the YouTube channel, so we want our loyalists to check it out. And I've made this joke before, but 
I never appreciate our audio audience more than when I read through the comments on the YouTube videos and see all these people who aren't like, you know, in our tribe necessarily. It makes me appreciate all these smart and thoughtful interactions I have with all of you who listen to these shows regularly. But I'm sure anybody who comes over from the YouTube channel automatically gets into this. I think the problem people are like the YouTube only people. We'll 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 say I have mixed feelings about them. But hey, we can use we can use their views and clicks and all that. So I shouldn't be too judgmental. That's gonna do it for this edition of the show. I'd like to thank JK and Steve Christ and all the people uh, jumping in and providing content this weekend. Good stuff going on on the plus side as well. Nick Tamaro and I went through the first eight races on the Fountain of Youth card. That reminds me, I need to send that to Eric DeCoster so we can get that out to the plus people. Um, okay, who else are we going to thank? We're going to thank Kim Weir, and we're going to thank Therapeutic Horses of Saratoga. Going to be hearing a lot more about them, learn more about their mission over at inthemoneypodcast.com slash horses. 10 Strike Racing. Uh, it was great to have uh, Clay Sanders on recently. We're going to have Marshall on soon. And uh, we always root for the purple and black around here. You know how that goes by now. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you, the listeners, for reasons I've already said during this little monologue at the end of the show. Literally couldn't do it without you and really appreciate you and your support. This show's been a production of In the Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.